This is People Every Day. Coming up... I had to let myself go. I had to truly let myself go. Golden Globe-nominated singer Andra Day on Becoming Billie Holiday. Plus, Ted Cruz's Cancun controversy and Harry and Meghan's official split with Royal Life. It's February 19th. Hello, hello, and happy Friday. This is People Every Day, presented by Macy's. I'm your host, Janine Rubenstein, and I am looking forward to the weekend. I don't know about you, but for a short week, this one sure didn't feel like it. But uh, I hear Mercury is no longer in retrograde come tomorrow. So cheers to that. And later in the show, I get to chat with Rise Up singer Andra Day, whose new film, The United States vs. Billie Holiday, is earning rave reviews and even award nominations. So we get into her whole transformation later on. But to kick things off, let's head over to Cancun, I mean, Texas. I am joined now by People.com politics editor, Adam Carlson. Adam is going to help me break down something dominating the news cycle right now, and that's Texas Senator Ted Cruz's horribly timed vacation plans. How are you doing, Adam? I'm hanging in there. You know, I I spent way too much time analyzing social media photos of Ted Cruz at the airport this week, (laughs) more than I would have expected. Okay, so let's walk folks through the ins and outs of our coverage on this. I mean, of course, it began with those images, like you said, of of maybe Ted Cruz, maybe not Ted Cruz, flying out amidst this unprecedented winter storm, Uri, that's crushing his home state. So so how has the story evolved since then? Right, so let's rewind back to Wednesday night, which is when Ted Cruz, the junior senator from Texas, was photographed leaving Houston, flying to Cancun with his family. Photos on Twitter soon circulated. No one was quite sure if it was him and his aides refused to discuss it for almost 24 hours. Although it became pretty apparent pretty quickly that it was Ted Cruz. Um, And shoot forward Thursday afternoon and he's turned to ride around and flew back, realizing that a lot of people in his home state were shocked and many of them were angry that he would leave as a leader in uh, in Texas during this time of such distress, right? Millions of people without power. We're up to, I believe, uh, you know, 20 plus several dozen deaths linked to the winter storm in Texas and across the country. Wow. Texas is really the epicenter here of people suffering. And the stories that, that we've covered on the website and the magazine are really, really wrenching, even as people are helping each other. And yeah. it, it now looks like Ted Cruz, frankly, pieced out during all of that. So let's let's talk about this unwritten rule in politics. Like, why was this such a huge mistake, specifically for him? Right. So um, Ted Cruz is not the first and certainly won't be the last uh, politician or person in leadership to be caught going on vacation in a time of crisis. It's something that people routinely um, and understandably get upset about. Ted Cruz uh, happens to be someone who typically calls out other politicians for behavior he doesn't like. And as it would happen, he has a whole history of tweets about other politicians going on vacations or taking leisure time when he felt they shouldn't have during times of crisis. And uh, that just added to this feeling of hypocrisy on Thursday morning, Thursday afternoon, when people realized, you know, Ted wasn't living by his own advice. And he and his family had, had booked this trip. So he has said now whether the decision to go was tone deaf, look, it was obviously a mistake. In hindsight, I wouldn't have done it. I was trying to be a dad. So so he's bringing his kids into this. Essentially, the reasoning he has now is that he needed to drop them off. Or is that still 
the line. I'm, I'm, that is I'm still confused. his line. So when he arrived back in Texas, he gave a brief, a brief press conference and then he appeared on Fox News Thursday night and kind of doubled down and said, I wanted to help my daughters. They're both really young. They're still in school. But the story kind of shifts and has shifted over, you know, the 24 hours since he arrived. So he still keeps saying, uh, you know, my daughters are out of school. The Senate is in recess this week. So I wasn't in D.C. and they wanted to get away. And I was just trying to be a good dad. And I was going to basically drop him off. He implied that he was going to turn right around. He never explained why he was photographed with a large suitcase, why he needed a police escort um, to the airport, you know, when, when first responders certainly have their hands full in Texas. And uh, then, most notoriously, his wife had this group chat uh, with a bunch of her friends. And someone or someones in this group chat leaked the messages to a bunch of press outlets. And it really showed that it wasn't just his daughters who'd been considering this trip. The whole family had wanted to get away. You know, they, they were in distress like so many others. And they were like, you know, they had the means, unlike a lot of people, they were like, we should fly to Cancun. Somehow, somewhere, animal cruelty has made its way into this saga. Yes, Adam. <laughs> like, or at least the possibility of it. What do we know about his dog, Snowflake? So the saga of Snowflake is is a kind of B-plot in all of this drama. But yeah. it, it turns out on Thursday afternoon, as the cruises were returning home, a reporter realized that they had left their um, dog, who they adopted several years ago, Snowflake. They left Snowflake at home, like many people do, but there were questions Mm. about, did the family home have power while the dog was still there? Who was caring for the dog? Local reporters say a security guard essentially was caring for the dog, and it now looks like the crew's home has power. Um, You know, Cruz did a a TV hit Thursday night. So we hope for the best for Snowflake, but (laughs) that, you know, that, that kicked the whole thing back into gear Thursday night with these photos of poor Snowflake in the house. Right. I mean, the memes, the spoofs are nonstop right now. We can only imagine what Saturday Night Live is going to do <laughs> with this this weekend. Like, I'm imagining Snowflakes as Macaulay Culkin, like Home Alone. Oh, one can know. only. Lauren Michaels, if you're listening. <laughs> yes, that was me. Um, no, but but on a serious note, like wh- what are the updates? Are things getting better out there? Because it is it is just so intense. We had this one story about this father who was taking his son to the hospital um, and he had to, he was choking on a peanut that he found in the house and he had to literally pile up all his family and drive in the snow in freezing temperatures. There's no stoplights, anything like that, and, and get him to the hospital for an emergency surgery. And it's freezing. So the stories in Texas are still very dire. The The good news, if there is good news, is it is improving slowly. The problem was that the power grid in Texas uh, largely failed, and that takes a really long time to repair. It is being repaired. More and more people are getting power. But it's it's slower, like you just said. In, in each one of these homes, there's a life or death story. And it's taking much longer than a lot of us would like for these homes to get power. But for the people who still don't have power... This means they can't cook their food, they can't boil their water, they still can't get heat in these frigid temperatures. But like you noted, something I'm always struck by is how people come together in these times. And that's something that we've we've really been focusing on this week. And even amidst all of this devastation, there have been so many stories of people helping each other, stepping out into the cold when they can, opening up their doors when, when they can. And I think that's something that also struck people about Senator Cruz leaving is that in all this time of people helping each other, he appeared to choose not to. Wow. Well, Adam, thank you for breaking this down so expertly for me. I really appreciate having you on. Happy to be here, Janine. Thank you.
I'm here now with Michelle Tauber, people royalty, um, but a royals expert to, to get into everything that's coming out of Buckingham Palace today. But first, Michelle, I have a quick question. Yeah. Okay. It's personal. Side part, side part, or middle part? Oh, side part. Definitely. I feel like Jan Brady. I feel like Jan Brady with middle part. (laughs) So, so, okay. That makes you, uh, you know, pre-millennial millennial, which is now considered pretty old on TikTok because they were coming at people who have side parts and saying it's all about the middle part if you're young and in the know. Oh, I'm sure that's true. I'm a dinosaur Gen Xer, so I, I, I'm not surprised by that at all. <laughs> Look, I'm a proud millennial, okay? I am not old yet. I'm also black, so black hair is different. With middle part, look, braids, dreadlocks, it's, it's all over the place. So I do it all. Thank you very much, Gen Zers. <laughs> okay, so Megan, she, she's middle part, right? Middle, mostly? Actually, she is, I think. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. Okay. Yep. And she's free now. So let, let's get into like what officially free. What is the news about Meghan and Harry? And, and why is it something we knew, but not really? Yeah, wow. You know, even when you know something's coming, it's still kind of a big shock when it comes from Buckingham Palace and the office of the Duke and Duchess of Sussex, which is what we got today. So we knew that that year probation period was ending in March. You know, that that's the period they had set up to figure out how they wanted to do things. And in fact, what the Queen's thinking had originally been was, why don't we give them a year to see whether they like life outside of the royal fold? And We didn't think that they were going to want to walk back through that door, but hearing today the finality of their decision to officially close it and say, we're done with royal duty for good, it was was kind of a big jolt, honestly, to hear. And we heard the emotion in the Queen's statement that, you know, we are all saddened by this. And so what have they officially lost at this point? Because we heard about all the things that were going to be taken off of their plates or taken away from them. So what do they still retain and what don't they have or have to do anymore? Yeah. So I think a really important point to emphasize is that they, and this was in the statement from Buckingham Palace, they are still members of the royal family. And I get a lot of people asking me, oh, like, are we still going to call them the Duke and Judges now that they're not royal? And I always say, no, they are still royal. They're not, they're stepped away from royal duty and the royal work. And we, and we know why they did this. They wanted to be financially independent, make their own way, not be dependent on the crown, the purse of the crown. So the queen's philosophy is if you're going to be financially independent, you can't have one foot in and one foot out. In other words, if you're signing deals with Netflix and Spotify, you can't also be representing crown and country um, and you know p- putting yourself forward as, a, as a, an official face of the royal family. So, so that's what that was about. So they do retain their most prestigious titles, which are his and her royal highness. The, those are known as the HRH titles. Nice. Those they have, yeah, but they're not really going to use them. And then, and then I know, like my producer, when this news came through, she was asking about um, his Invictus Games that we know yeah. means so much for him for Wounded Warriors. So, does he still get to do that? Yeah, he is going to. They actually came out with their own statement that Harry will remain um, a, a patron. I mean, he founded those. The, the, he's no longer having these um, official, like representing the Queen in several charities. And Megan Chu, she was a page. They call it patron in the UK. She was a patron of the National Theatre. Those are the those are the things that were taken away. But they they are still supporting those charities, and the couple themselves made a big point of saying that. And I, and I think it was really interesting that 
the queen said something along the lines of going your own way financially is an incompatible with a life of service. And then Meghan and Harry made a statement that really could be seen as a rebuttal of that, in which they said there are essentially many ways to serve and service is universal. So I thought that was really interesting because it was definitely kind of a pushback on this idea that there's only one way to do it. They're mm -hmm. saying, we're doing it our way. That was the classiest argument I think I've ever heard. <laughs> yeah, it was. It, it was Over very charity. civil, right? Right, Janine. It's like only can British royals argue this way. <laughs> I love it. You're making me miss Bridgerton already. Um, <laughs> Michelle, thank you so much for getting into this and breaking it down for me. Thank you, Janine. Next up, singer Andrew Day on her hit new role. Stay tuned. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Andra Day is a singer who had us at Hello. Her hit single, Rise Up, was music to everyone's ears when it was released in 2015, showcasing her rich, warm voice and its unmistakable runs and trills. A, a star was born, and now that star is even brighter, as Andra Day is now a Golden Globe-nominated actress, having stepped into the role of the legend Billie Holiday for Lee Daniels' new film, The United States vs. Billie Holiday. So joining me now, the woman herself, Andra, what is up? Hey, how you doing? <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. How are you doing? I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, just, you know, processing everything. Or maybe I'm not processing it. I don't know. <laughs> well, the nomination, the Golden Globe nominate, did that, did that kind of yeah. throw you for a loop? Yeah, I think that. And I think just everything, you know, it's just kind of like a wild ride. And you're in the bubble, right? When you're in, um, when you're on set and you're filming. <laughs> And I, I sort of forgot all of this stuff has to happen once you're done filming, <laughs> you know. Oh, so, yeah. But it's it's really amazing. I'm grateful for just people's response and, and, um, and you know, for the noms and everything. And it's, it's, a, it's a lot of faith and a big effort by a lot of people. Awesome. Awesome. Well, yes, the filming is just the beginning because this has taken on a life of its own. I'm so excited for this film. Uh, tell me about what it was like stepping into this role. Once you knew you got it, you went through the audition, you got it. And then knowing you had to become Billie Holiday, what did you do? What was your first step? What was my first step? Well, my very, very first step was prayer. And then I think after that, it was, um, 
letting go. I think the first thing I think about, like, okay, I have to do it, you know, research. I was looking at everything, but I think the first thing I had to do is accept the fact that I had to let myself go. I had to truly let myself go and um, just sort of be more fluid and, and free flowing, um, you know, not just as a person, you know, uh, as a person of Billie Holiday and then also as an actor, right? You know, I was, that's one of the things Tasha Smith, my acting coach, she taught me really how to inform all of my Billy Holiday research with an actual human being, which would be <laughs> me and her experiences. So she was so funny. She's like, that's great. I'm so glad you did a bunch of research, but who is she and who are you as her? You know, so it was like, oh, okay. Um, and so she taught me how to do that. Tom Jones, my dialect coach, taught me how to get a voice, you know, how to understand the place she breathes from. You know, we, we looked into where she holds her tension, which is in her shoulders and her upper mm. back and in her chest area. And, and, and tell me about tell me about the physical as well, because you you yeah. you had to go through a transformation. Yeah. So we, we um, you know, once I got it, I started to lose started the weight loss process, uh, which which I, I was trying to lose it healthy in the beginning. But once it got closer to filming, then I did. I, honestly, I did start myself because. Um, just because it slowed me down in a way, and and it also gave me what I believe was a period body. You know, I was looking for something that was not. I, I couldn't look too muscular, and I'm sort of prone to that. Or the muscle had to look like derived from really starvation and drugs. You know, mm, and started yeah. drinking a lot of gin, a lot of gin, <laughs> and uh, just cussing, just generally being more sexual in my behavior, which is also not really part of my life. So, um, yeah, just a real, it's that whole transformation and not taking. You went deep. Yeah. I mean, I think that there's the only really, that is the only way to play a character like hers. You know, there's something about her that grips you and takes hold. I don't know that she ever really does let go. We'll, We'll see. Only time will tell, but, uh, yeah, it was definitely a, a, a transformation. Uh, and then cutting all my hair off. <laughs> Which I was like, oh my gosh, 12 years of growth. No. But, <laughs> no, the natural and, hair yeah. journey. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Exactly. Like, you know, usually you're like celebrating. You're like, yay, big chop. But I was like, did we just straight raise the back of my head? Okay. <laughs> oh, no. But, oh, it was worth it. I was happy, actually. I actually really am enjoying the short hair. So it was, ultimately it was worth it. And I think there's just no way to, to do a character like hers justice without going i mean she's a black woman in the 30s 40s and oh yeah you know there's no way to do a justice without going that deep and and as, as a fan i'm just i'm just i'm excited but i'm I'm worried like the drinking and the smoking your voice is like platinum <laughs> oh thank you <laughs> is thank it okay you, <laughs> no, I, uh well um we're, we're gonna get there <laughs> okay. um, it is still recovering and i believe that it will fully recover um, but yeah, you know, it incurred damage, but I, I also, it's like, that's Billie Holiday's voice, you know, it travels a long way through her body in order to get out to the people. And I couldn't just sound like that. I had to be that and feel that. So yeah, it, was, it took a toll for sure. But, um, you know, uh, my ENT's got me. <laughs> I, think I, I think I'll be good. Ultimately, I hope so. I will be. Good, good. Well, what what yeah. was the biggest um, misconception about Billie Holiday that you wanted to break in this movie? Maybe one you even had yourself. I think the biggest misconception was that she was troubled. You know what I mean? And that she, oh, you know what the thing is? The is the phrase that really kills me, right? That mm-hmm. she was wasted her life and wasted her talent. You know what I mean? I, I go, mm. what? You know, this woman sacrificed her life and sacrificed her gift 
so that we could enjoy the freedoms or some of the freedoms that we have today. You know what I mean? And that's the truth of the matter. And so I want people to know that she was not a tragic junkie who sang jazz well. You know what I mean? She was a great godmother of civil rights who happened to also be extremely talented, who happened to also be extremely traumatized because and and um, was trying somehow to just get well and to get healthy and and you know we're all addicts right and we're all trying to cope with trauma and different things and it manifests mm-hmm. itself in ways in our lives and at that time there was not the education about drugs drugs were also being encouraged for for our for use by our community we were being encouraged right to use these things and they were being pumped into our communities and she was alone you know what i mean and Jim Crow and the establishment and the system of government had taken everything from her, her family, <clears throat> her ability to have kids and, you know, left her sort of with this addiction and, and escaping void and need to sing Strange Fruit. So she was really the truly the early godmother of civil rights and she was just living and then dealing with all of that trauma, trying to cope. The entire government went after her for singing Strange Fruit under a made up guy or on drugs. A song written by a white man. Yeah, it was by a Jewish poet, Abel Maripol, mm-hmm. who, by the way, which goes to show you, you didn't have to be black at that time to know that lynching black people was wrong. You know what yeah, I mean? Like That part. So clear- <laughs> yeah, exactly. Clearly, he, he saw and he got it and she understood it. And of course, she got it and lived it. You know, the, that's her experience as a black woman. And she experienced her own very public lynching, you know. And so those are complicated circumstances. Yeah, yeah. Oh, my goodness. Andrew, thank you so, so much for just breaking this film down. I'm so excited for you. I am rooting for oh. you. And I, I can't wait. Thank you so much. Oh, that's a blessing. Thank you. I enjoyed talking to you as well, too. Thank you. That was singer Andra Day. For more on her and the United States versus Billie Holiday, head over to people.com. And now, something to make you smile. You know that thing NASA did this week, you know, landing a new robotic spacecraft on Mars? Well, one of the head engineers on that project is just as awesome as that. 41-year-old Diana Trujillo is a Colombian immigrant who came to the U.S. when she was 17, had $300 to her name, and initially found work cleaning houses. But she had a dream. Listen. If I could be out there as an astronaut and represent humanity, there was no more bigger honor than that. She put herself through college, and now she's an aerospace engineer that just got us to Mars again. (laughs) Take that for motivation. Have a great weekend. People Every Day is produced by Julia Weaver, with help from Fallon Harge and Maureen Malarkey and Aliza Sessler. Executive produced by Christina Everett and mixed by Bahid Frazier and Mary Dew. People's executive producers are David Flumenbaum and Zoe Ruderman. Special thanks to Mangesh Hatikader, Will Lee, and the incredible staff at People and iHeartMedia.